just being able to articulate how we're gonna measure the effect of something is a very eye-opening exercise. Welcome to Action This, practical wisdom from experienced management pros, a podcast series featuring a stacked roster of industry guests dishing about what it really takes for brands to thrive. All right. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to the Action This podcast. My name is Zach Hamilton. I am your host. I am the Chief Experience and Strategy Officer here at Chatter by Stingray. As we all know, traditional experience management uh, is a round peg in the square hole. And we are here uh, joined by industry veterans at Chatter alongside a stacked roster of influential guests like the one we're having today. Uh, in order to really dish about what really takes what it takes for brands to achieve customer experience excellence, we'll be exploring field-tested strategies for turning insights into action, connecting the dots, and bringing about real change within your organization. I am very excited about uh, today's guest, Carl Leskinen. Uh, Carl is the co-founder and CEO of BERT Intelligence, the leading source of trusted revenue intelligence for the advertising industry. Carl believes that the advertising industry is in a need of simplified tools and services that more seamlessly navigate the increasingly complex and competitive media landscape. With over two decades of experience in B2B enterprise software, Carl utilizes his expertise in analyzing data and advising advertising professionals across publishers and brands on how best to make decisions that impact their success and profitability. Wow, I'm so I I cannot wait to jump in. Uh, Carl, alongside alongside with Gustav von Sydro, founded Bert Intelligence in 2018, and he's held multiple roles within the organization, including president and CTO, before taking over as CEO in, in 2019. Prior to Bert Intelligence, Carl spent the better part of a decade as a consultant and systems architect with the automotive, marine, and telecommunications industries. Carl is the inventor behind three global patents and received his master's degree in physics from Chalmers University in Gothenburg, Sweden. So Carl, uh, first and foremost, welcome to the show. We are so excited to have you on the Action This podcast. You know, as many professionals have uh, indicated to us that traditional experience management has really just overwhelmed their brands um, with data. Uh, so we say they are very data rich or insights rich and action poor. So really looking forward to the conversation today. And Carl, we've heard a lot about you, uh, a, a little bit about your background, but I'd love just to to understand from you is tell us about your journey, even even kind of back through through junior high, high school. What led you into getting your master's degree from physics, and then ultimately landing where you are now as co-founder and CEO of Burt Intelligence. Absolutely. Great to be here. Very happy to join the podcast and uh, you reading up my uh, last 20 years uh, makes me in reverse think a little bit about how I plan my career because it's definitely been covering a lot of ground. Uh, I think the common denominator for me all the way back has been a passion for tackling complex problems. And then I've uh, done that in various industries, uh, everything from automotive industry to marine industry, 
and then now it's media for for the the past number of years but the uh thread has always been big complex problems that's why i've sought myself towards b2b because you you can there actually charge the money needed to tackle complex issues you don't need to um, build a product push it and then never talk to your customers so the interaction with the customers has always been super important to me. And at birth, we really see each customer relationship as a partnership and not us selling them a product and then moving on. So um, leading up to uh, starting this company and uh, together with Gustav, we founded two companies and um, about 10 years ago, I was coming out of uh, entirely different uh, sphere in, in solving problems in the automotive industry. But we uh, saw this issue of uh, media being probably the most digitized industry early on, uh, amassing insane amounts of data. But as you say, uh, uh, data rich uh, action poor so there is a lot of data but people don't really know what to do about it and that's i think has been uh, all along the founding thesis and what we're trying to to accomplish is with the software help people to take action on that data yeah, that's really that's really interesting, Carl. You know, when you when we think about advertising, advertising plays such a key role when you think about uh, the current times. I I always you know I firmly believe that traditional customer loyalty is dead. We've actually seen this rapid what I call the great era of brand exploration. So brands are, in, or I'm sorry, customers are engaging with brands at rapid pace, being that of social media, being that of online and digital. And what we've seen is at the advertising realm, the advertising space, the CMO, um, the marketing teams, they've just been under an extreme amount of pressure. I even think, you know, pre-pandemic, um, when we think about, um, how are we connecting with current customers, even future customer cohorts that we want to acquire? Uh, and so I'm really curious when you think about really the strain and the challenge that, you know, the CMO, the advertisers have been under really the last 10 years. What has been the challenge um, for these org for brands, for organizations the last 10 years or so with their data strategy? And how is this impacting the role of the CMO? I think all across the industry, as I said early on, this industry was producing more data than any other industry with that extreme digitization that, that happened early on with the internet and uh, digital ads. And um, because it was possible to measure so much, uh, everyone started measuring it with no necessarily clear strategy for how to use it. So has been so much innovation, new features, new types of channels are reaching customers, um, all having their own unique data sets, very rich ones, but that big picture, the 30,000 feet picture of how to put it together and uh, take action on it, that has been lacking. 
So you've had endless amounts of data, and then you've had a strategy, maybe saying make more money or get more customers and no translation layer between that. And I think a lot of organizations have been struggling with that. Uh, and it's hard because not even deploying generic AI algorithms really help you with that because it really requires domain expertise of knowing the nuances in what this data consists of, what it means and how to interpret it, and then combine that with machines with the power of a million humans to crunch that data. But you you got to have both. And I think that's that's where a lot of organizations have been struggling. And the result has been almost going back to gut feeling sometimes. Yeah, I, Carl, that's that's a really interesting take on it. You know, it, it reminded me, you know, before I came to the B2B space as well, you know, I spent, you know, more than 15 of my 20 year career so far in, in retail. So I'm a practitioner at heart you know, held various um, leadership positions within um, a few retailers. And you just kind of gave me this flashback of sitting around and we have an inordinate amount of data at our fingertips. We could definitely see, hey, if we took these two or three actions, um, and essentially from a marketing perspective, right, if we ran this campaign um, or we, we targeted this cohort of customers, um, with an email campaign or a direct mail campaign, um, we could definitely see a, a significant lift in sales. Uh, but to your point, it was hard for us to always pull the trigger. And so it would take us months to make a decision. And by the time you know the organization would make a decision to go ahead and and trigger that campaign, we essentially lost um, you know, the uniqueness of what that campaign would offer, you know, the window closed to really engage with that customer. And so when you think about, you know, the last 10 years that we've been talking about and this amount of data and and how brands are connecting, like you said, here's all the rich data that we have. Um, is the challenge more about being able to connect the data or is the challenge around truly making it decisionable? In my perspective, uh, it is it is the latter because 10 years ago, it was a challenge getting the data. Just look at what happened with uh, uh, Amazon Web Services, Microsoft, Google, and all the infrastructure as a service that's available. So these days, you can spin up a huge database and um, uh, th there are multiple vendors that are specialized in obtaining the data for you. So the access to the data and, uh, and and the structuring is not necessarily where where the big challenges are now, but but it is uh, distilling those insights that leads to actions. And uh, I mean, for a normal sized client of birth intelligence, our AI algorithms will uh, process hundreds of millions of data points each day. We'll find thousands of things across your organization that does have a revenue impact in some sense. But then we will filter that out to send to each person the three or five most relevant insights to them uh, because there's going to be new ones tomorrow. So the relevancy and um, 
having having an opinion about what, what is most important for the recipient, I think, is a very crucial um, crucial point in in all this. The other part of uh, where the challenge lies, the domain expertise part. That is, uh, just look at how many job adverts there are for data scientists, and then look at how many people are actually searching for that. It's a massive talent gap globally. And um, in, in a normal organization, fewer than 1% of employees are what you would call analysts, data scientists, but the other 99% now require their input or depend on them unless you uh, start to find other ways of letting software do a lot of that work. Humans still need to make decisions. What we're way better than machines at are things like compromises, prioritizations, deciding which uh, which of two bad alternatives we should choose from, but computers can automate so much of the information processing leading up to that decision. Yeah, it's a really good point. I, um, you know, it's also interesting here when you think about the 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 skills gap. Um, I, I see it on both sides, right? When you think about the CMO, the advertiser, or even the operational leader. Right. Typically, their skill gap is they they know their specific expertise really, really well. Uh, their skill gap is really around, um, to your point, the data analyst side, processing hundreds of millions of pieces of data every single day to really help, you know, understand the revenue opportunities within an entire organization. Uh, and then you think about like an operational uh, perspective, I'm sorry, an analyst perspective, an analyst has um, all the expertise in mining this data, setting up algorithms, all these different things um, to help surface, you know, really the revenue opportunities that that are not service, op, you know, very surface level. Uh, but to your point, they can mine them from from really deep within the data. But where the skill gap opportunity, I think, for analysts is, is really understanding the entire organization and how the, the brand or the organization works, right? So if we do make this decision that the data is telling us to make, what is the ripple effect that we're going to cause operationally, for example? Will we cause a disruption um, on the front line in a specific retail store? Um, and if so, what would that potential impact be? Um, and then will we real will we still realize you know the top line and bottom line growth that that the data is telling us? So when you think about those two kind of unique opportunities and skill gap, Carl, I, I'm curious in your mind, you know, especially for all the professionals that are listening today, how do we really start to um, ignite kind of the the skill gap and and sharing and almost kind of like cross training? you know, each role within the organization, um, not at a deep level to become an expert, but with the knowledge enough to be able to look at the holistic picture versus just what we specialize in. Absolutely. Uh, that is the challenge that a lot of uh, uh, companies are, are, are struggling with. I think to your point, uh, the opportunity from a uh, analyst perspective is to look 
outside of the SQL queries and the databases and the R scripts and understand the business impact and how they are related to what they're sitting with right now. And honestly, data scientists, they didn't take the job to service an organization with Excel sheets and dashboards and printouts. They, I think, want to work with more strategic issues, tying business goals to, to data and uh, uh, how they can be, be part of that and, and contribute because that's a um, that's an exciting part of the work. So it's part freeing up analysts and the experts to to do what they're really good at and to to grow and evolve, and then to uh, enable all the other ninety nine percent across the organization to make complex decisions without necessarily having to learn SQL or uh, R or any other programming language. And uh, and and use that to to the benefits uh, of of the organization and and scaling knowledge across. Yeah, I think Carl, that's another really good point that you just made around um, really enabling analysts. And I think one of the best practices that you know myself and my team when I was leading a retailer, um, you know, we were fortunate enough along the way where we were able to get a dedicated um, and experienced analyst. And so this person um, was dedicated to our experience organization. And what we would always try to do is instead of just saying, hey, Hawk, can you pull X, Y, and Z for us? We always tried to be able to dynamically communicate to him, hey, here's the business challenge that we're trying to solve. This is the negative impact that we know surface level is happening. Um, here's what we think the hypothesis is. And what we want to do is put together a dynamic ROI case around if we were able to influence the organization to prioritize, you know, X, Y, and Z, here is what the, the organization could expect from an ROI. And what was really interesting, Carl, when we took the time to really explain you know, kind of that holistic business challenge beyond, can you just pull this query for me? Hawk would always return that with, hey, here's what you're looking for, but I also found A, B, and C. Yeah. And so by by really communicating what we're trying to solve and why we're trying to solve it, now he could go beyond that SQL script and really look at those millions of pieces of data that we are collecting from an or from our within our organization, from our customers and our employees, in order to really help us um, make better decisions. And so I'm curious, is that what the gap is right now within organizations that your team's working at? Is they're not or working with and partnering with, they're not going beyond the the specific, very structured. Can you pull this data for us? I mean, Zach, you just outlined the dream for an analyst, I think. If you were to survey a thousand random analysts of how often do you get that kind of context to what you're doing compared to how often you get, I need this report in five minutes, which is very much the reality of a lot of, a lot of people. So it's, 
it's almost an underutilized resource because everyone is so underwater with uh, the data needs of an organization. And uh, that is that is the opportunity of, uh, of finding ways of providing that context to the uh, scarce resources you have and then making sure that they can spend all their time on that. Because what you just outlined is what it's all about. That is when you really make transformational changes in an organization. Uh, and as you say, with, with Hawk, he um, got to context and then found a lot of other things you guys were not asking for because he understood where we were going. So I think, uh, and the organizations I see, it's that's what everyone wants to work with. If you go high enough in the organization, that's what they think analysts are working on. And then when you look at what they actually do, it's it's a lot of endless requests of, uh, I need this, I need this, could you help me with this? I don't understand this from the rest of the organization which honestly is where we as providers of technology need to step up even more in addressing that situation. Because um, we are not going to produce a hundred times as many analysts and data scientists. And in this, I would call the second decade of data, if last decade was uh, dealing with the production of these massive amounts of data. Now it is about using it for business purposes. Everyone needs a dedicated analyst. And that's not going to be solved by, uh, by, by humans alone. But by finding that perfect balance between combining domain expertise, AI into software, and exposing that to people that are not terribly technical in a way that they can use the data. And then the flip side of it, work with the experts and make them spend their time on why they took the job. Yeah, that's so spot on. And, and I think before we get into this next decade of data, because I'm I'm so... I love just, you know, how you classified it, Carl, as, as you know, the era of decisioning, essentially. But I want to double tap with our experienced professionals real quick around um, the value of, of exposing the analyst to the full story that you're trying to tell. And I think too many times, right, you just pointed it out, it is, it's, it's all these requests that are coming in. Hey, can you get me this, this, and this? And we don't expose them to the full story that we're trying to tell around what's the business challenge, what's the negative um, uh, results because of this business challenge, and then what we're trying, our solution hypothesis and what we're trying to accomplish. And then what happens, Carl, and I'd love kind of just, you know, for all the experienced practitioners, if, if you're not including your, your analyst or an analyst within your experience system um, and really a key member of your cross-functional team, uh, then, then you're really doing the organization a disjustice. But Carl, if you think about kind of the ripple effect on that, right? We, we go into a meeting as an experienced professional. We present out on points one, two, and three, which was derived from a SQL script that we just asked our analysts to run. 
And then typically what happens is um, executive leaders or leaders across the organization that are trying to help us solve this problem, they come up with eight to 10 more questions that we couldn't answer because we didn't expose the analyst to the entire story that we're trying to tell. So I'd love to hear from you or, or maybe give a, a few pieces of advice to you know, the CMO, the advertiser, anyone within um, advertising or marketing, um, and even the experienced professional. Like, set the record straight. What's the best way to interact with analysts in order to really influence the entire organization? That is a great question, Zach. Uh, I don't know if there is a single short answer to it, but I, I think in one piece of the puzzle is doing more of the five whys of just asking why, why do you need this? Uh, and then why do you need that? And, and continue just from the analyst side, um, trying to understand why does someone need this Excel sheet right now? And as a leader, of course, creating a culture where that is not only accepted, but encouraged, the curiosity. I think the other part, strategy work is, is a lot about defining the strategy and start executing it, but, but involving certain functions while a strategy is still being worked on to uh, get that context built in. Another trick I use internally a lot of the time uh, with um, my engineers is whenever we do something, I expect an answer how are we gonna measure the effect of this? And what do we believe the effect is gonna be? Just being able to articulate how we're gonna measure the effect of something is a very eye-opening exercise. You, sometimes you don't even need to actually do the measuring or the evaluation, but just thinking through usually creates a sequence of questions that may actually cause you to redefine the problem you're trying to solve. I've had that happen multiple times in, internally where we decide we want to do something, then we as, see, okay, we, we could measure the effect this way and that should probably lead to this. And before we were done, we realized that we were solving the wrong problem. So there are a couple of tactics. I think uh, as a leader, culture is key in how you lead, how you uh, signal to the organization that it, it is okay and something we want employees to do to try to understand. Then it is time consuming to explain context and it's time consuming to understand context and um, a lot of shortcuts are being made where we say yeah i'll explain this to you next time but now just do this trust me that is of course not leading to uh, what we're trying to achieve here so being aware of that and also planning for it, maybe planning for slightly less output for a period of time to give room for that uh, 
knowledge sharing and context explanation and the ability to ask questions on why why are we even doing this? Are we solving the right problem? Because surprisingly often the answer is actually no. Uh, we we could redefine what we're trying to achieve here. And that is typically the effect of involving analysts and, and domain experts in uh, that type of uh, strategy work. Carl, I, I think that's probably one of the most valuable lessons that anyone can take uh, from our chat today is, are we really solving the right problem? And, and I'd love just to tee this up. It's so interesting in all the work that I've done with you know, some of the most leading brands across the world as, as one of their you know, experienced advisors is what's really interesting is, for example, um, driving digital traffic. So a, a brand may say, hey, our goal is to increase um, conversion by one and a half percent this year of all website visitors. And brands know, and we all know that that one and a half percent seems really, really small, but that's actually a gigantic uh, increase in, in conversion. And it often would lead to, you know, tens, if not hundreds of millions of dollars. And so what happens, and Carl, I'm sure you see this all the time as well, but in the experience world, um, we all say, okay, we want to increase this. So that at, so the CMO, you know, they had their advertising team, you know, running advertisements to try and drive website visits. And then you have your digital marketing team. They're working in a silo. They're thinking through, you know, um, Google paid ad or SEO. Then you have your, you know, your social media team, you know, they're working on, you know, how do we drive more traffic from our social channels? And then you have your e-commerce team, um, which are typically split up to a couple different product teams around, um, product pages and cart checkout and and those different things. And then of course you like, you know, you have your last mile team, which could be inside that specific store as a last mile. If you're doing curbside pickup or in-store pickup, it could be um, where that product is delivered directly to your home. And so we're all trying to solve this one challenge, but we're, we're all going at this in very different ways. Um, instead of really organizing ourselves into what I call an experience system, um, in order to leverage the holistic, you know, set of millions of pieces of data to really help us understand, um, and ultimately, sometimes what we do is we we work on the wrong the wrong levers. We're pulling the wrong levers because yeah. we're going about this in a different way. So I'm curious in your mind, why are brands still so challenged with working in silos, having a siloed strategy around their data? And why are brands not able to work inside of systems, if that makes sense? It sure does. And I mean, I, I see this across all companies I've, I've been at. I, I think it's a probably a basic human drive. It's, it's easier to deal with it in silos. Uh, and everyone is busy and people don't have time. So the easiest the path of least resistance is to do the same thing tomorrow as we did today. And um, it, it does take a heavy lift and a lot of energy and resources to, to elevate that whole work. And uh, at the end of the day, each of those functions you just outlined 
is required to do their part of it, but what's really needed is that layer that connects it all together, uh, where you can realize that uh, improving a metric in one department may actually be harmful to another department's metric. And in order to understand which is the perfect balance between those two, you need to combine their data and, and expertise into a strategy. So th there is uh, usually a layer missing and it's hard. So it's it's not just something you can decide tomorrow that let's let's start working in this way. That's a long and iterative process of, uh, I guess, involving data more into strategy and not just execution. Um, yeah. In so many organizations have the, on the top level, it's let's make more money, let's get more customers. And then you have the dot, 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 and then that lands into something very specific somewhere without a clear understanding of how that connects to the whole. And uh, that, that layer is where I really see the data scientists, analysts of the world contributing because they have the mental capacity to um, bring that together and the expertise and the experience and the curiosity to to really drive change there. Totally, I totally agree, Carl. In my mind, as as, as I was thinking through you outlining this, um, is to me in this experience system, there's two key main players, uh, and their levels of leadership are are what's going to really decide. Um, can we accelerate this and, and meet the timelines or and, and execute this really, really well and deliver the results that we want? Um, or is this just not going to get up and, and get wings? And, and to me, it is the experienced leader, the experienced practitioner. And then the other side of this is the, the data scientist or data analyst. And, and I'll explain why. Every brand wants to be customer and employee led, right? They want to, to be the best brand experience um, they want to deliver the best experiences that create, um, you know, significantly larger customer lifetime value uh, and interaction with their brand. And so the experienced practitioner really has that purview into the entire customer journey. They understand the frictions, the pain points, um, what needs to be optimized. And in my mind, they're the ones that really need to um, integrate with the data scientists or the analysts to help them complete the entire picture, right? So by connecting the dots between customer and employee feedback, um, and then essentially the impact that that feedback has looking at the holistic data lake that the, that the analyst or the data science can look at, then we can essentially frame up um, the business challenge and are we focused on um, the right levers that are going to help us optimize the experiences uh, and, and deliver on those business results. I'm curious in your mind, am I thinking about this the right way? Um, and, or am I thinking about the right way? And if we can form this like perfect union between the experienced professional and the data analyst, do you agree that by them framing up the right problem and hypothesis that we can get the experience system really 
you know, firing on all level levers and essentially creating like a flywheel. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I think in in uh, what you just described, the the experience manager uh, provides a lot of the what I call domain expertise, and that's applicable to to, to any domain or in, any company. Taking a step back, like any business challenge is gonna have um, components of, of what you just outlined in um, knowing where we need to go and why we need to go there and then working with the data scientist capability of creating the um, analytical um, capabilities of, of getting there because we've for a long time been past the point of what, what humans can uh, can produce. So I think finding that marriage where you uh, have the analytical skill set together with the direction and the strategy and the understanding of why we're doing something, that's what every organization should should strive for. And that applies to anything from product development to customer um, customer development to internal processes between departments as well. And uh, I think that the best organizations, the one the ones that are ahead and are winning are the ones that nail this. Chatter by Stingray proudly presents Action This. Let's have a chat. Visit chatterresearch.com to try out our online feedback demo and experience the chatter effect. I'd, I'd love to. I think this is a great segue into, you know, decisioning, right? Because if we think about this experience system or the cross-functional collaboration, um, what I see lacking a lot of times just in my own experience and, and working with some of the most prestigious brands in the world is really how do we take action on this? What are the decisions that we need to make in order to take action on it? And so you mentioned early on, right? The last decade was really around um, access to the data and, and, and organizing it. And then you mentioned earlier in, in our chat around, you know, the next decade is really around decisioning. So can you elaborate a little bit more on what you mean by, hey, this next, the next decade, the brands who are really going to win this next 10 years is around decisioning. So can you elaborate on that a little bit more? Absolutely. Um, I mean, there is this um, analogy. If, if, if you have a lot of data, but you don't do anything with it, then what's the worth of having having the data? Uh, alternative is if, if you decide to do something, you look at the data, if it tells you that you were right, then you call yourself data-driven. If it tells you that you were wrong, you go ahead and do it, do it anyway. That's not being a very data-informed uh, practitioner. And decision, is really to me that you allow data to change your mind and you're comfortable with that. And that, that's not always 
fun because you you have your gut feeling of how something should should go but if you're brave enough to let the data inform you so that you can make decisions on it then it's all that remains is to make as many decisions as possible if you can get to that point and it requires bravery and uh, expertise of course because it's um, the easiest way is always just uh, do whatever you you thought was best and then hope for the hope it turns out right but you can actually influence the outcome of uh, of, of involving data in your decisioning processes it's also interesting to just think a little bit what is a decision it's usually something happens you find out why you make a hypothesis and then you ask data am i right and that's an iterative process until you figure out okay this is why something happened then you usually have a couple of alternatives on what you can do about it uh, commonly for for complex decisions you need to talk to one or several colleagues inform others about your decision then you decide on it and then you ask the data if the outcome matched what you thought it would. Uh, and if it doesn't, then you learn something from it. And if it, if it does, then you do the same thing again. I think a lot of people don't take decisioning serious enough. Uh, every professional around the world is literally making thousands of decisions every day. Every time I open Chrome and I have way too many tabs in there and choose a tab, I make a decision on what I spend my time on. If it's replying to an email or uh, going to Slack or uh, solving something. And that's really the grand opportunity in, if I, if I could have a piece of software that helped inform me of where I should spend my time in, in my work day and uh, what I, uh, what decisions I, I should make, that, that would be amazing. We're far from there, but um, people don't identify themselves as decision makers, but every person working makes decisions every day. And that's, I think, a first step of just acknowledging that every single time you go back to your computer, you decide on what to focus on next. And that has an outcome of your business um, performance. And I, I think that there is so much to do in, in that space of facilitating decision-making uh, through experiences and, and the, the whole experience and also through the, the actual data and how it's presented and pushed to people to get them to make more decisions based on data. Yeah, you know, it's so interesting, Carl, is, you know, one of the key challenges that we hear from experienced practitioners or really just the executive leaders is really around you know, we know that we need to make decisions and we want to be able to be a data-driven decision type organization. 
but one of the key pieces, I believe, of data, and maybe the most valuable data that's missing um, in most brands, is really the customer and employee feedback. And I and I even experienced that very early on in my career, where you know, being in the room with the CMO or or other executive leaders. They wanted to make a decision, but then the question was, well, how will this impact our customer base or um, how will this impact our employees? Will we disrupt them? Um, will we disrupt the operation? And so in your mind, why do you why do you think brands still have a gap with including customer and employee feedback into their into the data models? that they're using every single day to find the revenue opportunities um, and, and make decisions on them. Like why, why is customer and employee data not often utilized um, in these decisioning uh, data centers? That's uh, I guess that's a million dollar question. Um, I think it, part of it is, as we talked about before, it takes more time and effort just to include that and look at the data and allow it to make you realize that you're wrong and that you should do something different. It takes bravery to to do that full on and uh, it takes time, which we usually don't have. So even though everyone knows that we should do it this way, you just realize we, we don't have time or the resources to do it. So we'll have to do that next quarter. And now we just need to move forward. So we'll do it in the same way as we always have. Um, so I think a huge part of the, the opportunity is to help people and make it easier to incorporate customer and employee feedback into the decision-making process. Yeah, I I also wonder too, Carl, if you experience this, right? So you think about traditional experience management, you know, for the last 25 years, um, you know, the pioneers in experience management have really been reliant on email to web as the main source uh, to helping brands uh, connect with customers post-transaction, for example, um, and send out an email survey to say, hey, give us feedback. And we've seen significantly over time, right, communication channels of choice um, have become significantly different. If we just think about the pandemic um, and think about how our email inboxes became oversaturated uh, from the digital marketer, right? Trying to drive online and web traffic. Could it be a, a potential issue where, you know, brands, they don't have enough customer feedback or they don't have enough um, employee feedback because maybe we only engage with an annual engagement survey versus kind of this always on approach with employees to really understand um, what's impacting them um, from from really delivering on the expectations. Is it really just a, a quantity um, of customer and, and or employee feedback? Is it a quality issue or is it both? Definitely both. Uh, uh, quantity first, I mean, just looking at at my own business, we do surveys with our own customers. Uh, I would probably like 
a hundred times more customer feedback than, than we're getting. It's hard to ask people to take the time to to give give us the feedback. Um, and I think there are many smarter ways of getting that feedback. And uh, because you're actually asking someone to take one minute, five minutes out of their already very busy day to to give you feedback. So you've got to find ways of making it worth it for them of, of doing it. And and there, there can be a lot of tangible values all depending on what, what the actual business is, I guess, everything from uh, Amazon gift card uh, in, in a B2C context to um, being part of a early adopter program in a B2B context. But the quantity is a problem, but the quality as well, because uh, you're, you're struggling in, in getting what you really want to know out of a NPS score or something which is one to five or I agree, I don't agree. Yeah. So the, 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 the whole grail is to really um, find smart combinations of that. I think that's another huge opportunity for AI to have passive measurements because you, you can measure behavior very granularly, but then tie that to qualitative interviews or whatever form of, of getting high quality feedback in order to train algorithms to, to learn how you can automatically at scale receive better feedback. Carl, I think that's such great advice. And, and I think what I'd lean in here to the experienced practitioners or the executive leaders is really around ask yourself this about your current experience strategy. And, and I label it experience because I, I think the experience world has even created silos within an organization. When you think about customer experience, employee experience, brand experience, product experience, it really is the human experience. It is, it is the experience. The question that I have, or maybe the challenge is, um, are we giving our customers, employees, um, their channel of choice? Are we meeting them where they are um, and, and allowing them to provide us feedback? and their channel of choice, whether it's online through Google reviews, for example, maybe it's within a social media, you know, interactive social media post, maybe it's through SMS or, or WhatsApp, right? Can we have a conversation with them outside of the email? And then last but not least, is your organization obsessed with the benchmarks? And so if you really think about the way that you've designed your survey, it's more about the benchmarks versus really capturing that understanding through um, you know, open free text um, to understand the customer sentiment analysis, why they were they were delighted or why they were frustrated, and allow the AI um, and machine learning to really help bolster that qualitative feedback. I always say, you know, brands have a sufficient amount of IQ data, right? They have transactional level data, they have behavior data, they have all these all the all these pieces of data that we've talked about all along. What they're missing is the EQ. And the EQ is really around um, the why that this why why this is happening, and you can really only get that straight from your customers or your employees. 
But in, in, in what you just mentioned, Carl, in a, in a very systematic way, um, and typically that's their channel of choice to be able to understand why behind what's happening. And so I'd love to just kind of pin on this last, this last question, Carl, if you think about, you know, making decisions and the decisions that you have to make every day in order to action, you know, the data that you do have, what are the keys in your mind um, to unlocking better decisions that your team has been able to assist brands with at scale? It is. So the, the, the process we, we uh, work with is the first step is understanding that something happened. So that, that's a challenge in its own with a vast amount of, of data, the hundreds of millions of data points for a normal sized client and in, in our application. But once you understand that something has happened, then it is explaining why it happened. And this is also something that advanced algorithms trained by domain expertise can solve for generic AI has a very hard uh, time of, of ever saying why something happened. The third step is to provide recommendations, which is also something that we in each domain we tackle. We spend a lot of time on, on understanding that when something happened because of this, these are uh, good recommendations to um, to do about it. And when we get to that point of providing the recommendations, we see a huge um, lift in that people actually make decisions based on the data. And uh, for us, that, that journey, for every step along that journey, we see um, higher conversion rates in that people actually use the data. Because um, those are all things that are extremely time consuming, but not, but they're related to getting to the point if we should make a decision or not. And the further along you can get along that route of something happened, why did it happen? What should we do about it? the higher the likelihood that you're going to get a decision out of it. And for us, uh, when we think of ourselves, we really see our contribution and our most important KPI is number of decisions being made from the data that we collect and provide to our customers. Wow. I, um, I love that. To me, I think that KPI of the number of decisions being made um, from the data that, that you've collected and provided, I, I could just only imagine if leaders shifted the way that they leaded, or they lead, sorry, leaded, they shift the way that they lead into really asking the questions you know, what are the decisions that we've made and what are the actions that we're taking because of the data that we have versus what's our score and how do we compare to X, Y, and Z? Yeah. I, I think, Carl, the next 10 years, if you really think about what you mentioned, is really around the decade of decisions. 
I think it's the leaders who make the shift in the way they lead and asking about the number of decisions, the number of actions taken or decisions made. Those will be the brands that end up winning. Absolutely. Benchmarks was a natural consequence of the last decade of, of getting the data, but uh, using it for your particular purpose, that's where we uh, everyone needs, needs to be heading. Yeah, Carl, this has just been such an amazing chat. Um, for all the listeners out there, if you want to connect further with Carl, just visit chatterresearch.com. Click on resources, then podcast. You will see uh, Carl's incredibly handsome face. You can click on it um, and it will lead you to connecting him on LinkedIn or on their website. Carl, this has been amazing. Any any last uh, tips that you would want to leave our listeners with around uh, making decisions? Well, I had one, one thought from before uh, to tie things off on, on the... Um, uh, feedback parts, uh, a true story from my previous career when I was in the marine industry and uh, we sat down an entire day reading through a claims database and uh, we got so much important information from reading what people wrote. The data was entirely miscategorized so we just read through everything and we found so much that we didn't know that we were looking for. So whenever you have any such channel where you get people to say, to, to write something rather than choosing between uh, uh, one to five in a survey, uh, that's extremely valuable. And I think there is more of that across organizations than people may realize. Sometimes you just need to go look somewhere else to find uh, what you're looking for. Yeah, such a great tip. Uh, and Carl, we'll close it out with that. For everyone, thank you for listening. Carl, this has been such a great um, discussion and chat around decisions. And uh, to everyone else listening, have a great experience week and we'll catch you on the next episode of Action This. Zach, thank you so much for having me. Great to be here. Thank you, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. For more on consumer insights and experience the chatter effect, visit chatterresearch.com.